As the oldest of seven children, 13-year-old Ernest Fitch was forced to leave school and find a job to help keep the family together after his father's death in World War I. His determination and a growing desire to help others wasn't lost on his younger siblings. But tragedy was about to strike the family once again. Uh, my sister was, was next to me. She worked for, I think it was called the Canadian Bag Company. And uh, it was hard work. But when she had uh, done her part with helping my mother, she followed the same course that I did. I mean, she became a Salvation Army officer. And she left home. The next one was a brother who uh, now was able to get a better education and he got a better job. He became a private secretary to somebody in the Vancouver Harbor Board or whatever they call them. Uh, he had a, in comparison to the rest of us, he had a good job. But in uh, 1929, out at the Salvation Army camp, uh, he drowned. The only drowning they've had in all the years they've had anybody there, you know? Camp was opened in 1926. I had just been a commissioned Salvation Army officer for a year, stationed in Edmonton, and we got word that he had drowned. He'd been chopping wood on a hot day, and he'd worked himself up, but he was so hot, and they just jumped in the water, which was always cold out there. They called it Hopkins Landing, and that day it's Langdale now. So he was only 21 when we lost him. The next was a brother. Alan got a reasonably good education in draftsmanship. And he got to work, got a job with the old BC Electric. He also became a Salvation Army officer. And he was doing well. The next was Brother Wes. And Wes was, uh, he was a sort of a guy who, um, he really enjoyed life. You'd call him a bit sap-happy, you know. He'd like, he enjoyed life. He wasn't you know, going to burden himself down with big problems. He worked at different jobs, but I think the one he worked at the longest was at a, a mill with Salvation Army people who operated a, um, a mill out at uh, Chilliwack, or near Chilliwack. And he worked for them for quite a number of years. But during the war, the Second World War, he signed up, he went overseas with an artillery group. But while he was in Italy, I think it was, he decided to apply to the Salvation Army for an appointment as an auxiliary officer. My other brother, Alan, had already, as a Salvation Army officer, uh, he had been added to the workers, you know, with the troops. So the two brothers worked at that. The next was my youngest sister, who um, took a commercial course and uh, actually worked as the private secretary to the leader of the Salvation Army here in, in B.C. She married, married a chap who went overseas and uh, just recently died in uh, Penticton at 96 years of age. The interesting one was the last one was a boy and he was born after my father left for overseas. He never did see his father or father him. But uh, just a, a, a short time after my father went over, he came, appeared on the scene. So my mother gave him the same name as my dad, called him George Fitch. 
Interestingly, George Fitch, he became a Salvation Army officer, and um, when he was 25, he had a serious illness. He and his wife were stationed at Kamloops, and he died there. And his wife was pregnant at the time and had the baby after he died. It was a repetition of his, his own, you know. Now, that baby, who was my nephew, was also named George Fitch. And he was here yesterday to see me with his wife and a daughter. But they carried it on that he never did see his father, never did know him. But they all did quite well, you know. I mean, I, I was very fortunate joining, joining the bank. It was, I figured it was about the best move I could have made. The longer I was with them, the more I felt indebted to the bank. Uh, apart from helping me with the, as we would call the arithmetic side of it, they taught me public relations. The Royal Bank was very, very sticky on that. And the tellers had a, a little note printed that was, it was fastened where they could see it, but not the public, you know, urging us to be most courteous with our customers. I had an interesting experience with one lady. I evidently cashed a, a check for her, and she came back and said that it was $2 short. Well, $2 was a fair amount of money in those days, you know. When I balanced my cash out at night, I wasn't over, and I sort of took the stand that she had left the bank before reporting it, and as far as I was concerned, I wasn't ready to do anything about it. The manager, who wanted to keep in good with the customer, he said to me, suggest I should pay it, give, it, give her $2 back. Well, you know, I didn't do it. And the thing just slid along until the change of season. And she came in one day and she was full of apologies. She had evidently changed her top coat after being at the bank. And then when she went back to it, she found the $2. Well, she, uh, in those days, I didn't smoke. They brought me a box of chocolates, I remember. And she invited me to spend a weekend with her and the family wherever they had their summer cottage in those days. But that was the extent that the bars of boss was concerned. You don't lose a customer. The lady was very, very nice, and you know, she was so embarrassed over the whole thing. But they taught me that, and it was something that stayed with me all through my life, all through my working days. Public relations. And helping the public was about to become a central theme in Ernest's life. That part of the story and the wooing of the future Mrs. Fitch when the life and times of Ernest Fitch continues on CKNW.